ancient words that have come through the centuries, given to us through your prophets and through your scribes. Lord, we thank you for all those words. We thank you that we have a book from which we can draw encouragement and support. Help us in our faith and help us to stand firm against the evil one. Father God, we thank you for all that your word brings to us. Lord, help us to let it seep down deep inside us so that it does indeed change us to become more like the people you call us to be. And Lord, as we come and we say thank you, we say thank you for all that you use our monetary gifts for. For the things both here in this place but further afield too, Lord, we thank you. And Lord, for those who still want to give this day, Lord, we thank you too for them and their willingness to do so. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats as uh, Daniel's going to come and read our first reading, followed by uh, Matt coming to read from Psalm 89. Thank you, Daniel. Bible reading is from Isaiah um, chapter 11, verses 1 to 10. Shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. And that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people, the nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. It's the word of God. Amen. Okay, our second reading is from Psalm 89, from verse 1 to 4. I will sing forever about the Lord's love. I will sing about his faithfulness forever and ever. I will say, your faithful love will last forever. Your loyalty is like the sky. There is no end to it. You said I made an agreement with my chosen king. I made this promise to my servant David. There will always be someone from your family to rule. I will make your kingdom continue forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Matt and Daniel, for that. We're going to be using a number of different texts uh, this evening as we look at the whole theme of 
Advent through Old Testament eyes. It's our Bible study for this month. And um, we are in the season of Advent, that season in the church calendar when we look forward to Christmas, but also to the second coming. And yet, let's be honest, this month, this season of Advent is one in which actually just like um, the rest of the secular world, so often we skip through it because we cram it full. For the secular world, so to speak, they'll cram it full with work parties or family gatherings or social activities. And for Christians, we'll cram it full of nativity plays and Christingles and carol services and carol singing and end of Christmas Christmas parties or end of term Christmas parties and concerts. And so the list goes on. Advent, that season when we are looking forward but it always ends up being so very busy. A ministerial colleague of ours is always guaranteed by this point in Advent to be moaning, to be voicing his frustration and his exasperation because people in his church get really cross with him. He refuses to let any Christmas decorations go up until literally a few days before Christmas Day. And then he wonders why people complain. Because for many of us, that's what we associate with Advent, isn't it? It is those things like lighting the Advent candle. It is having those nativity plays. It is having our Christmas tree, which will be going up tomorrow. It is the joy of watching the Christmas story being retold by different ages in different ways and reminding us of the promise and of what we are celebrating come Christmas. And yet, as far as our colleague is concerned, we are missing out by rushing to the Christmas through Advent on what Advent is really all about. We are missing out on the waiting. And that's, in a sense, what we are doing tonight as we look back at the Old Testament to see what Advent is all about. What is the Old Testament, what is Advent saying to us in our lives today, but also for the future to come? In a moment, there's going to be a slide that's going to come up on the screen. And there are so many verses in the Old Testament that point towards that moment when Christ came to birth as a tiny, vulnerable baby. I'm sure if I was to ask you to tell me some of them, you would be pointing to some of the ones that have appeared on the screen. And I know it's in quite tiny print, but I am going to be reading them. And they say things like, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. That verse from Micah, Micah chapter 5. And then there's Zechariah. Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the branch. And he will branch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord. And he will be clothed with majesty. And will sit and rule on his throne. And he will be a priest on his throne. And there will be harmony between the two. That's the looking forward and then Isaiah 40, that passage that we so often associate with this Advent period. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. 
The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then Deuteronomy 18. Again, reminding us of what is to come. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let us hear, not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. That promise of God that he will send a further prophet. And then finally, Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to her son, and will call him Emmanuel. Just a tiny snippet of the 40-plus verses that we can see in the Old Testament, which pick up the sense of God's plans for his creation. From that very moment when God created the heavens and the earth, and through to the timelessness, timelessness that we heard about in Matt's reading from Psalm 89, of God's everlasting faithfulness. There's that pointing from the time of Abraham all the way through to the prophets that one was to come who was greater than the one that they had first known or first experienced for themselves. And in fact, that's what we were singing in our first hymn, which we voiced when we said, Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world, they resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart, reminding us of the solidity and the, the, just the power that we can find within our Bibles. And the words again from the song, words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us cope in this world where'er we roam. Ancient words will guide us home. And if we can just move on to the next slide, which I think I might have highlighted, hopefully, did I? Yes. There's those particular verses that have been highlighted and in each part of those where we are looking for that ruler over Israel, where that ruler will be clothed with majesty and sit and rule on his throne at the second coming, where we have that voice of one calling in their wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. We know that's what the prophets were doing before Jesus came down as the baby. Again, reminder in Deuteronomy 18 about the prophet being raised up amongst us. And the promise in Isaiah that the Lord will give us a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And will call him Emmanuel, God with us. I wonder if we just think about some of those verses that I've just read and just talked about briefly for a moment. I wonder, do they give us comfort and hope today? Particularly when we're living in a world of uncertainty and fear and turmoil. Do we, are we able to look back, thank you Sam, are we able to look back in our Bibles and think about, well if God knew that then, and then we see it come to pass, does that give us that courage that he has all things in his hands? And then there's a second question there, do you think that there is a place for Advent in the church calendar? Are you a bit more like our, dare I say it, grumpy ministerial colleague who thinks Advent is only about the waiting and not about Christmas? Christmas doesn't come until the 25th of December. Advent is about focusing on waiting. Or do we think 
the way we do Advent now in our church today, it kind of fits in with what we are looking at when we work up towards Christmas. And so I want to just ask you, if you're sitting next to someone, I invite you to talk to the person next door. If you're not sitting next to someone, you might want to move and sit next to someone so you can just think briefly about those two questions. And if you don't want to do that, you can just sit there while everybody else talks just for a moment. But do you think, as we look at our passages and scriptures, we look at our Old Testament, are there things in our Old Testament that can give us comfort and hope today when we live in a world that's so full of uncertainty, fear and turmoil? And secondly, do we think there is a place for Advent in the church calendar today? And I'm going to give you just a few minutes just to talk amongst yourselves. And I am going to ask for some feedback, just to warn you. Recognizing that hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, God was promising the Savior. Um, and we see in the birth of Christ the fulfillment of those promises. So they're very important uh, to us. It's not just the New Testament. The Old Testament is pointing, it's leading us towards the birth of Christ. So they are very important. Absolutely. And, and picking up on that particular point then, equally, they're also pointing towards the second coming and what will happen in the future as well. Thank you, John. Anybody else? Uh, Hannah, start keeping going backwards. Thank you. <laughs> so I think we were talking about how, um, you know, there are so many Bible verses, including those ones that you highlighted, Vicky, that talk about how, um, you know, how Jesus had come to rule and reign, and God is creator, ruler, and reign over everything, and how... And actually how comforting that is, knowing that God is the beginning, the middle, and the end. He, is it, he exists out of our human, you know, our human existence. He exists beyond time, beyond, beyond circumstance, beyond everything that we find in life in general. And so, so much of, I think, kind of everyday life and the struggles and the uncertainty and the worry that we face is inflicted on by our human nature. So knowing that God is perfect in his being, in his doing, in everything that he is, I think is incredibly comforting. And I think we have so much to be thankful that God is God and that we are not. Um, you know, and how everything is in his plan. Even him coming as a small baby yeah. is in his plan. So actually, when we abase ourselves in knowing that God is always in control, that God is, exists outside of everything that we find within our human constrictions, then actually we have nothing to fear as a result. So, yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Thank you, Hannah. So do we think... Oh, go on. Sorry, Jan. Yep. I don't know how you're going to get there, Matt. Feed your way through. Um, Haley just come up with a brilliant picture that I, I thought we should share, and that was of an advent calendar, and how the Old Testament and all the prophecies are a bit like an advent yeah. calendar, opening a window, yeah. and there's a, a peek into the future of what's coming. Mm. And we said with Advent, having these key um, points in the year of the, Christ, of the church calendar, of the Christian calendar, are so important, and they also... Something like Advent particularly is such a, a great opportunity for outreach because people want to come into church because partly it's tradition, partly it's a family thing, partly it's the lights and the Christmas trees. 
partly it's the presentations. There's so many opportunities with Advent. Brilliant, thank you, Jan. Does anybody else want to answer that kind of question? Does Advent still have a place in our church calendar? Maybe you might not have got to it, but just ask the question. Okay, that's fine. Well, I thought what we're going to do is we're going to actually sing another song. We're going to remain seated as we sing it. And it is those words from everlasting God, the years go by, but you're unchanging. In a sense, picking up Hannah, what you said, God is the beginning, the middle, and the end. And in a fragile world, God is our only firm foundation. And so we'll stay seated as we sing our next hymn. Another very familiar passage of scripture that we often hear read at this time of year in particular is from Isaiah chapter 9. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. I thought I'd use our Advent ring tonight to kind of help us think about what the Old Testament is saying to us about Advent and about Christmas. And one of the reasons we have it is because it takes us through those four weeks of Advent, the four Sundays preceding Christmas Day. It reminds us of the darkness of the world. Let's look out the windows and we can see it is pretty dark out there. And if we didn't have the lights on, it would be pretty dark in here too. And it reminds us of the darkness of the world in which we live. But how? When Christ came as that baby, he came as the light entering into that dark world. We sing regularly at church, don't we? Light of the world, you step down into darkness. And as we use our Advent wreath tonight, we're going to be reminded of that light coming into the world in which we live. I haven't brought down a second one, but if we look at any kind of Advent ring, Advent wreath, we realize there is a circle. It's a circle because it reminds us that God has no beginning and no end. He is Alpha and Omega. He is endless. He's eternal. He is God himself who has all things and holds all things together. 
For those of us who have ever been to a Christingle service, you know that we use an orange to remind us of God's creation, God creating the heavens and the earth. And then around the middle of our orange is a red ribbon, not only reminding us of the blood that was shed on the cross by Jesus, but also of the never-ending nature of God, the everlasting nature of God. It said that in that verse I've just read, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It goes on to say, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. From that very moment from the beginning of our Bibles, in the beginning God, until the very last moments in our revelation, we have that sense of God's timelessness, of his eternity, of the enduring nature of God. Or as it said in the psalm, of the love and faithfulness that will stand firm forever, that has been established in heaven itself. God is beyond our understanding. He is our everlasting God. And as we look at our wreath, we see that in the circle of the never-endingness, but we see it also in the green that we can see there shining forth from the wreath. We often associate the color green with spring, don't we? With that signs of new life, of hope, of renewal. We associate spring with the coming out of the winter. We enjoy seeing the the bulbs poking their heads through, don't we, in the winter, and then them bursting forth into flower in the spring. And it reminds us of the hope when we're in the darkest, coldest parts of winter that there is going to be spring. And then there's going to be the summer and the warmth. And then we know the cycle goes on again. But in the darkest of winter days, we long to have that hope and the promise to come. And that's why on our Advent wreath, we have the green reminding us, not just of the birth of Christ, but of the hope that's going to come as a result of his death on the cross and the eternal life that's promised for us as well. A few weeks ago, I was talking about how the impossible can become possible. And I was using those verses from Isaiah 11, where I talked about how the wolf will lie down with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat and how that doesn't seem possible. And yet with God, it is. Because all things with God are possible. And when we think about Advent, we're not just focusing, as we've said, on the, on the baby there in the manger, but we're focusing on him coming again. The promises and the hopes that even when we don't know the time or the date, we have that promise that God will return again, this time with the government of heaven and of earth on his shoulders. And we hear again those wonderful words. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Or, as we heard from Isaiah 11, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. It's reminding us of those words that Jesus used, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He is to anoint the the good news to the poor. And so it goes on, reminding us of the past before Jesus came as that baby, of Jesus himself coming to live amongst us and to have the Spirit of God on him, 
but also of the promise to come, where righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The never-ending nature of God from the circle of the wreath. The greenness of the new hope to come as a result of him coming down to earth. And then, of course, we have the candles on our wreath, reminding us in a very visible way of the light of God coming into the world. We have the four outer candles reminding us of the four centuries that we had to wait between Malachi and the birth of Christ that we remember during those four Sundays in our Advent period. Of course, then we have the candle in the minute in the middle that I will talk about for a moment. I don't know when you were young or you have children and grandchildren who have the advent candles that they burn down a day at a time and the first one seems to take forever, doesn't it? And then when you take your eye off it, all of a sudden it's burnt through six days all in a row. But there's that excitement. You kind of think when you're a child or you're watching a child watching their advent candle burn down, it seems to take forever, doesn't it? And when you light that very first candle on that very first Sunday in Advent, you think, gosh, there's still three more weeks to go. But actually, you blink, and then almost we're there. But as we light the candles, it reminds us of, as I said earlier, of Jesus coming into that dark world. And as we light each one week by week, it's reminding us of that waiting experience, but getting closer to that ultimate celebration. But also, as we light them, as any light that is lit in a dark room, one light can make a difference. Two lights make a diff bigger difference. Three lights, it makes the darkness begin to fade away even more. And the flame of each of those new candles lit each week reminds us that more and more Jesus is going into his world, removing the darkness and reminding us more is to come where his authority and his power and his rule will take place. And then we light the fifth one on Christmas Day, the Christ candle, where we rejoice that all has come to be as we celebrate the birth of the baby. Now, I'm going to light the first one. And for those of you who haven't understood why it's behind me, I can't cope with candles at all. So I'm having it behind me so that you can see them, and I thankfully can't. So um, we light the first candle. We lit it last week to remind us of the expectation and the hope and the prophecy, a bit like we've been talking about tonight, the anticipation of Jesus coming. And as you said, John, you see that thread, don't you, running all the way through the Old Testament, pointing us towards that moment when Christ comes for the first time as that baby. And as we look at that in light of looking through our Old Testament, when we see those the way that the Israelites behaved so badly when they turned away again and again from doing what God had asked them to do, where God has to send them prophets and judges, reminding them on how to behave. We see also kings who are only bothered about themselves and their own power, and they've taken their eyes from God, and how God's people yearned 
for a return of God's dynamic presence once again in their midst. It must have been a terrible, terrible time between when those last prophecies from Malachi and the minor prophets and the major prophets were given before the birth of Christ, where God's voice wasn't heard in those 400 years. But in the scriptures we see that God promised that he wouldn't leave his people without a shepherd, without a Messiah, without a saviour. And maybe they did remember those times of Saul and of David and of Solomon where they were on the whole kings who looked towards God and allowed God to lead them. Or maybe they look back to the time of Judges with Gideon and Samson and Deborah there being raised up to get them out of a hole. Or we go back even further to Genesis 15 where Abraham was promised that all of his All the nations of the world would be blessed because he was willing to trust and put his hope in God. And of course, we are reminded that God told Abraham to go outside and look up to the stars in the sky. And he says, if you count them, that will be the number of your offspring. I don't know if you've ever tried to count the number of stars. They are beyond measure, aren't they? They are too numerous to count. And Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so that first candle is lit to remind us of the hope, the expectation that would have been there for the people, God's people, during those years when they heard nothing. As they look back at the the words that the prophets had given them and their laws of the past, something that they held on to in their dark world. And then there's a second candle that we lit this morning. The second candle reminding us of the prophets that we've been looking at tonight. Of how they spoke of the coming of Christ. Of how that saviour would be born. A king in the line of King David. And we know that it was fulfilled as that baby came to be born. And then we have the third candle, which I'm not lighting, which traditionally we associate with John the Baptist, that phrase that I used earlier, prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist was born to show and to point people towards Jesus. John did amazing things in his own rights. He he heard some amazing confessions. He baptized people in the River Jordan. But most importantly, he was there to prepare the way. Because he knew that the one who was coming was far more powerful than he would be. Of course, we know that was Jesus, the Son of God. And then we have the fourth candle, traditionally looking at Mary. Of course, we looked at Mary last week in our morning service. But Mary and her role of being the mother of God's son. Her magnificat, those words in her song, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my saviour. The birth of Jesus brought joy not just to his mother, but to all of us all these years later. And because of his ministry, he brought hope and peace. And from hope and peace comes joy and that's what the fourth uh, candle also reminds us of the 
joy that comes with the birth of that baby. The joy of scriptures being fulfilled. That we rejoice when the fifth candle is lit on Christmas Day. When we say thank you to God for fulfilling the scriptures of the past. But recognizing it doesn't stop there. It's to remind us that God is coming back again. That second coming is still to come. I think sometimes we forget that there is still the story to unfold. That there is still a second coming because sometimes we get caught up in that moment of Christmas. And we do need to think about what our scriptures say about what is going on and what will go on in time to come when Jesus does come again. And so we look at the now, but we also remember the future. But in it all, we remember that God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. We're going to pray now as we bring our world to God in prayer. Lord Jesus, light of the world, we ask that as we wait for you to come again, that you would remain present with us. Help us today and every day to worship you, to hear your word and do your will. And so we do thank you that you are the God who has no beginning and no end, that you do care for each one of us and for the world in which we live. And we pray now for our world. Our world that is hurting and is broken. And where, Lord, we don't treat one another well. We pray for our world where COVID continues to have an impact on lives. And on the way that we live our life day by day. And so, Father God. As we focus on our world, we thank you that you are the God who created this world in which we live. And that sometimes when we don't know what the future holds, we thank you that you do. And we thank you that you ask us to just pray and to trust you. Help us to understand the need for peace. Help us to realize our place in your world. To be the light in the darkness. To talk about the hope that we can see in our scriptures with those that we walk and work alongside day by day. And Lord, we thank you too that not only were you the God of Abraham and Sarah and the prophets of old, but you are our father too. We thank you that you revealed your love to us through your son. And we do pray that during this Advent season, you will help us to celebrate your, his birth by making our hearts ready, helping us to fix our eyes on you. We pray that you will help us today and every day to worship you and to hear your word, to do your will and share your hope with others. And we particularly remember those today who are suffering, who are being persecuted for their faith and for those who are struggling spiritually, emotionally and physically. And in the silence now, we bring those who are heavy on our hearts, particularly 
right now to you in the silence. And Father God, we thank you. We thank you for sending John the Baptist to prepare the way, who grew up strong in spirit to announce the good news that your son was following on. We thank you that he loved your people and baptized them in the River Jordan. But Lord, that he had a desire to share that good news with others and help us to, to desire to do the same as well. Help us to be ready. Help us to share joy and hope with those we meet in the coming days and weeks. And we particularly remember now those who need that hope. Those who are trafficked. Those who are fleeing as refugees. Those who are migrants. Those who are struggling to find somewhere to accept them. We thank you for those who are willing to serve here and overseas as your missionaries and witnesses. And we particularly remember Andy and Rihanna. Teddy and Diddy, our BMS partners and all those who we support through Home Mission, especially our friends at Winter Garden. And finally, Lord, we ask that you will be with us in these coming days and weeks. Help us to worship you day by day and to celebrate, come Christmas time, the one who was born in Bethlehem that was prophesied about and pointed to so many years ago. We thank you for the value and the importance of the Old Testament and that we can set that alongside what we read in the New Testament as we continue to look to that moment when he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And so, Father God, we offer you ourselves this night. Users, steer us, and work through as we pray. Amen. And our final song reminds us that we've come to him and we want to receive and be fed by him through his word. And so if you're able, I invite you to stand as we sing, Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. <laughs>